Welcome to the Green Burial Radio Program, a podcast for people who want to connect death to life, just as nature has always intended it. Brought to you by Funeral Radio. Now here's your host and founder of the Green Burial Council, Joe Sehe. My name is Joe Sehe, and with me today on our podcast is Suzette Sherman from Seven Ponds. Welcome, Suzette. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Joe. Lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. Yeah. Well, I thought we'd sort of get started by just telling folks a little bit about Seven Ponds and what your initial vision was for the company. And, and, and um, people probably, some people in the, the field may know that you're the founder and CEO of a very innovative site and sort of a site that's really becoming this sort of catch-all for the alternative death movement and, and actually I guess, really beyond that in many ways. But why don't you tell a little bit about the concept? Well, yeah, uh, I, I would you say alternative, but I look at it more as addressing the contemporary changes that are going on right now. And, you know, the boomers are the ones who are culturally driving this idea of um, changing how we look at death and how we practice it. And so it's it's more of uh, we're we're watching what we consider to be the traditions move forward into a different direction, and we're we're getting close to that tipping point where uh, we just know more and more people who are cremating. There's less burial going on, and so we're getting close to a fifty percent cremation rate, and that's sort of that tipping point where cremation becomes the tradition, and, and you know, and and natural and and uh, regular burial, traditional burials going away. So. And as that process happens, there's all these other aspects of, of end of life that are shifting as well. At Seven Ponds, deal with the whole spectrum. We look at uh, preparing for death, terminal illness, time of death, and we look at the grieving process. And so we're really an umbrella, uh, we're, you know, an online company that provides, you know, the information and planning and articles. And we have a blog that really look at what are all these contemporary changes that are going on because it's happening in so many different ways going forward now. Um, so, yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you spend many, uh, much time talking to folks that read a blog or go to the site and then want more information about what to do? Uh, there's that, and I'm, I'm finding as I give more and more talks, that's becoming really evident that people are coming there, and it's uh, primarily right now people who literally are dealing with looking at their mortality. Less boomers right now, actually, and you know, more the older crowd. And yeah, definitely people are, are very hungry for information because people are really viewing it in a different way and wanting to think about all this. You, you could see it starting to happen. This unfolding is, you know, taking place. And, you know, and the reason I relocated here to the, the Bay Area is that, you know, to me, there's a lot of changes going on everywhere. But for the United States, this is really the epicenter because Marin County has the highest cremation rate in the country. So Is it true that someone said 90%, I heard? Is uh, that possible? It's more than that. Yeah. Is that that's got to be the highest in the world outside when there's no religious... Uh, requirement for cremation, right? 90%. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's higher, yeah. So um, it just talks about changing values, you know. So people are so transient, and there's something lovely about scattering ashes. And I think, you know, natural burial is obviously a new direction that's, that's really coming on the radar. Uh, it's just a very small percentage of people, as you know. I was told 1% are doing natural oh, yeah. burial. By whom? 
Um, actually, one of the guys here locally, and he provides it at the Jewish oh, Center here. Oh, yeah, but the, the, that uh-huh. that information isn't tracked. That's that's. So, it's, I, I don't yeah. know what percentage is it. I'd be curious. Well, I mean, I think I always tell people look at demand, don't because you can't. It's not tracked, you know, and and it gets kind of fuzzy depending on what you call natural or green, right? But uh-huh. really. That AARP study from 2007 is probably the best thing, and that's seven years old. But that suggests that at that point, it was one of, I think, 21% of plus 50 Americans that had a preference for it once they understood what it was. Oh, I think there's a, a huge interest in it. And I, I even see it within people in the, the 20 and 30 year olds have a huge interest in it as well, because yeah. I think ecology is just a big driving force. I just think. I find when I give my talks, a lot of people don't know about green or natural burial, and and they're fascinated by it. And that's one of the topics when I give my talks in terms of questions that people are really fascinated by, um, the different ways that people are starting to look at options out there. And some of them are a little out there, like composting, but who's to say we're not going to actually be doing that someday? So we're, we're on the leading edge of looking at all these different options for the ecological implications of what that means to um, our deaths. So, you know, and obviously home, home funerals, you know, that's something that's growing as well. But, but, you know, for us in the industry, it's very much on our radar. But then I go to these talks and I realize how little people know and they're so hungry to learn and be exposed and have those choices. So there's, there's sort of this need to really, you know, get this information out there and, and help people, you know. No. So once people go to the site, they get this information, um, and they then they leave and then deal with their family members and maybe funeral guides or whoever's going to help them. You, Seven Ponds, it, it, at this point, isn't providing sort of consultancy, but is that something that might happen down the line? Uh, right now, I, I don't see that in the future. You know, we have a local resources section that we're dealing with uh, vendors and services within the San Francisco Bay Area, and that's where we're at right now in the future will probably expand but you know focusing on other aspects and um yeah so i i I don't see that in in the future of the company really near i mean you know because the reality of the picture is that we're generalists you know we're the umbrella that oversees all of the different experts that are out there and i think there's so many people in end of life in terms of professions that can help people through that process and helping educate people on what those are and giving them a, just you know, a good overview or a brief overview, those experts are the ones who drill down. Those are the ones who really know what it is they do. Um, so, so that's really an interesting aspect of the company and what we present on the site is just that there's such a variety of, of exposure and, and topics and we do interviews with experts. And, and people are able to get information online that they weren't in the past so they don't feel like they're forced to just go down to their local funeral home or cemetery for information, you know, which is a big game changer. In years, in years past, you know, they, they just felt like they didn't know what to do. They either went along with the status quo or I think cremation, which was, I still think the biggest driver is just, it's an end around, you know, conventional trappings that people just don't find make sense, you know. I would agree. It's interesting. You, you you said that people find scattering ashes to be kind of a lovely thing. I think to use your term. But do you think that the the fact that so many people are going home with ashes represents that people are not sure what to do, or they have misgivings about 
either letting go or how, how to, to properly dispose of ashes. I'm fascinated with that because it's, um, you know, cremation is relatively new, obviously, over a few decades, it really. But now that it's in the mainstream, it seems like there's a need for, I guess, ritual that requires a little bit of facilitation and hand-holding to be done. But I'm fascinated at how many people are choosing what t- seems to be nothing or, you know, are really looking for something, you know, some people know. Well, or they're keeping, they're keeping them at home. Yeah, there's a percentage that do that. And I, I think there's a good percentage of people, because I've, I've spoken to quite a few, and they really have a hard time letting go. Uh, it's a combination of letting go, and for some people, they haven't quite figured out what it is that would be meaningful. And, and I think that's part of the disconnect that has happened often with people not talking about death, so they don't really know what that person who died may have wanted. Right. Well, I wonder, too, if if some of those people are content to keep ashes on the mantle or or in, you know, an urn at their... In a closet. Yeah. I mean, I've always been told that people, all people are unhappy with it, but I've been reading a bit, learning about the changing views on grief, and we're moving, you know, into this post Freudian model of, you know, death, of, 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 of loss really not being something you ever recover from fully. There's a hole in your heart that you have the rest of your life. And there's this theory of continuing bonds and that, you know, maybe the most healthy thing we can do is to continue to have a relationship with the dead and acknowledge that relationship in different ways. But if that's the case, you know, the old construct in the funeral industry was, you know, you, you had the memory picture and you, you, you processed it and you moved on. And you, now we're like, no. It's, it's, it's really, yeah, it's a complete opposite. Uh, it, because it's very much about whatever it is that you feel is okay. It's not about judging how people go about that process. So, you know, a lot of people hang on to the belongings, uh, sometimes for just a year and sometimes longer, sometimes you know, their whole lives. They just want that bedroom to be untouched and as it was. And today it's really that belief of whatever it takes for somebody to, um, whatever is important to them is okay, though there is complicated grief, you know, and that's something that is important to understand where you're not actually able to move on and that's not a good thing. But to otherwise tell somebody how they should be grieving is is not appropriate and so it's sort of a beautiful place that we're starting to rethink the, allowing people you know to to do what they want do you sit, yeah. think that there will come a day where people with the psychosocial and spiritual gifts get involved in helping people make these decisions rather than people who you know are selling a product or service because you know i've seen that happen with hospice and palliative care but I haven't seen any models other than, you know, there are the home funeral guides, the death doulas, but for the most part, those are volunteer positions. Although, you know, some places, I guess that's not the case. But do you think that, do you know of places where people are starting to go to professionals who can help them understand their rights and options and then create the space for them to make decisions? Or is that not happening in, in, in your estimation? So I'm not really clear on what you're asking me. There, there are people right now that if you have really two choices, you're going to get as much information as you can if you're going to do a DIY kind of approach. 
and right. you, you know manage the process, maybe handle the paperwork. I'm saying at the time of death and transportation, maybe build a casket or source a casket, or you can go to providers, funeral directors, and cemeterians who can sort of guide you through that that process. Right. But right. Um, what. You know, I've said I learned when 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 my father was in hospice. You know, the I, I just made me think. You know, I wonder if that model is going to be extended. Hospice is such a unique experience because it's 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 part of the medical field. People aren't asked to buy things. There's no sales transactions. You know, where in the cemetery and funeral field, that's still going on. You know, and and it sets up a conflict of interest. But one and it but it also sets up a tendency for people sometimes to, even if they're not trying to pressure folks into making decisions, they, they, they're trying to manage this dynamic, you know, rather than let people sort of have the space to unpack this on their own terms, right? I've been wondering if, if people in hospice might get into this work and start to continue the conversation with families who, you know, perhaps have relationships with these folks and would prefer to do that rather than be handed off into a you know, to a funeral director, for example. But I just, I haven't seen it, in my case, I, have, I haven't seen that field sort of emerge. I just want, I've, I've seen one university that sort of kind of explore, you know, teaching that, but I haven't really seen it come online. Uh, you know, I, I think that there, as you and I both know, there's, there's a lot of new changes and things happening, but I think we're in the early, early days of all of this. You know, this is a cultural movement that's going to take a couple decades, and I think there's going to be, like what you're suggesting right now, there may be a new profession out there that we don't even know what it is right now. And I think there's going to be a lot of other things that are going to happen as well that we can't even predict as we go down the road. Because um, right now, we're just, you know, the conversation is not anywhere nearly fully open. And as the boomers literally start are at that threshold and start embracing it, I think we're going to see some really interesting changes. That's my take on it. So you're, you're, you're really articulating a whole that uh, uh, you can see that it's like we've got one end of the spectrum and we've got the other, and what about in between? And I think that's, that's definitely going to happen. And the one thing that I find um, when I give my presentations, because my presentations are not only about, you know, what are all the changes going on, just sort of dipping into all of that, because there is so much, but also helping change this image of what everybody has in their head of what death is about. And the number one question I get is like, how did, what, what made you start doing, you know, Seven Ponds? And, and for me, it was my grandmother's death. And that was like over 25 years ago that it had such an impact on me when she died. And she, you know, it was with hospice. But what was interesting was that um, she was having a hard time swallowing. And my mother took her to the doctor and he looked down her throat with a scope and said, you have stomach cancer, you have three months to live. And they walked out, and my grandmother turned to my mother and said, I don't want an x-ray, I don't want an operation, and I don't want to die in a hospital. Wow. She was, she was really a woman ahead of her time. And, and wow. She actually went home and called everybody up and said, I'm dying, come visit me. She was in Florida, and I was in New York City, and I would talk to her on the phone, and she was literally giddy. She was having the time of her life. People were bringing her gifts. It was like, she was like, I had a long, great life. I am ready to go. You know, she had, the hospice was there at the end in terms of the pain and all of that. Um, So I just remember thinking, this isn't how other people are doing this. (laughs) 
And it was really a huge impact on me. And really, it was an indication in the future that, you know, if you've had that long life and if you are ready to go and you have no pain, it's just it's it's the most beautiful way to have it and to really be joyful about that process. And I think that's the switch that's currently taking place. Um, that we're going to see really growing our attitude about dying and end of life. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really tricky one for people to understand that you can move into actually, you know, getting some solace from from death acceptance psychologically, you know, because the knee-jerk reaction is, you know, death is bad and and, and we want to stay away from it, including by organizations like AARP, I know a few years ago, had determined that death didn't test all that well with their their members and they were trying to attract younger boomers. And we had an AARP senior policy analyst on the board of the Green Barrel Council at the time. We actually were responsible in part for getting those questions inserted to look at green options. And I was saying, but boomers care about environment and legacy and other things. You got to ask about this. And sure enough, that's what was discovered. And when you looked at the statistics for, you know, seniors in the boomer range, that they really were attracted to this idea. It seems so obvious. And I remember in your talk talking about midwives and birthing, uh, the way, you know, boomers fundamentally changed how babies came into the world. It seems like it's, it's such a logical extension of yeah, that. Yeah. And and just like, you know, the boomers were the first generation of, of do-it-yourself weddings, too. And now it's just become so commonplace to, you know, really just have this dream of what you want to do and, and make it a really special, meaningful event. And you get into the whole process of what all these, you know, aspects are. And I think you're going to see more and more of that going down the road um, to, really wanting to be a celebration, celebrating a life and not mourning a death. And it's a whole different way of looking at it. Yeah, and there is going to be grief and loss, and it's not denying that. I know I've read something the other day where people were talking about the funeral industry being so bent on celebrating lives that they're not acknowledging you know, pain and loss and stuff. But Really, it's it, 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 those things aren't mutually exclusive, and it depends on the set of circumstances, obviously, too. But certainly, you know, we're just scratching the surface with this in so many different areas. You know, really, I think we're going to move into a really rich period, and I think you're going to start to see people, and we already are seeing incredible people entering this field because they see that this vacuum exists and there's an opportunity that's really ripe for change well i mean i even just look at at like getting one day off when you you know lose a parent or something from work and i just you know it's hard for me to wrap my head around it because grief can just hit so hard and i think it's something that society hasn't really we don't account for for the emotions of, of what people are going through and the importance of all of this and I, I think we're going to see real shifts in that as well. Well, you know, they've learned recently, too, I've been, or I've learned recently, that psychologists are finding that grief and loss creates anxiety and depression in a way that they didn't understand. The problem is people don't present to their therapists. I, you know, my problem is I had a loss eight years ago that I didn't get over, you know. And we really don't understand that some of this is complicated grief but some of it is i think could be mitigated by end-of-life rituals that allow people to do what they need to do 
which we sort of do naturally anyway. You know, I think we've impeded that process by layering this c- commercial aspect on it that, yeah, you know, right. and, and, uh, that's why I, I just hope, yeah, we need great volunteers, but I hope, um, in some ways there's some professionalization in the field. I don't know if you're aware that I learned this fairly recently too. There was a big push up until, I guess, the 1930s to sort of get funeral directors something akin to an MSW, but the entrenched interest, namely the supply companies that benefited by having them be at the front line of, you know, frontline marketing vehicles, really, chemical and casket companies primarily had prevented that from happening. But, you know, at the same time, funeral directors were coming into being, doctors were glorified barbers, but sort of got their act together a bit. I see that this could go the, the same way or a part of this could go there. And that's what I find talking to people. I guess they don't know that there are options beyond that. They just presume that you have to, you have to go along with this. And the, and, and if you're not going to go along with that, the only op- option is, you know, like direct cremation where you, you know, forego it all. Um, but there's so much out there. And, and, and I think through people like you and, 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 Entities like Seven Ponds, I think people are going to start realizing, you know, just where they can go. It's, right. It's, it's, I mean, just looking in the past week, I actually just did a, a, a post for our blog. State of California um, finally, you know, voted yes for aid and dying. Now we're waiting for, you know, Governor Brown. Is he going to sign? It'll be the fifth state if he does. And the first digital asset bill ever in, in the United States is right now coming through as well, um, the assembly bill, which will be voted on at the end of this week. Um, now, granted, it's driven by the tech companies, and um, the, who are just, you know, quite frankly, they're just getting tired of family members coming to them who want to, you know, get their hands on the digital assets, which are anything that you've put on a website, images, financials, emails, you know, whatever the, the particular website might be. Um, and so they are writing it on their behalf just to create a privacy law, so that which basically says that. If you don't have it covered in your estate planning before you die, or you haven't already gone on to that website and made provisions, and not all websites allow you to do that, you know, and then you have to find it, you know, um, and then you have to actually be proactive and do it, um, then they just own it. They outright own it. Wow. So, wow. So that's a little problematic. I was going to say, what are the repercussions potentially? Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens w- w- regarding this when it comes up for a vote. I mean, I think clearly it's an issue. Uh, and I, in my take on things, um, they should be forced to deal with it and um, so that consumers set it up ahead of time. You know, it's no different than going into your Gmail and they add a new feature and they immediately a box pops up you know, and says, hey, you know, we've got this new feature. Do you want it explained to you? And um, so anybody who has an existing account, when they go in, um, they could create prompts where it says, you know, you have to make a decision. Do you want to allow somebody access, you know, or not? And who's that person? You know, you go on a lot of websites and you have to sign an agreement, uh, whatever, I'm blanking out on what they're called right now. But, you know, so it's really, really common. So I don't, or if you sign up for a new account on something, it should automatically, uh, um, you know, include more than just signing up and you're signing off on their their agreements at the at, on the website. It should also say, you know, here's anything you load on here, you know, will be ours unless you know you make a decision right now. Who do you want to have access to this? You know, so. 
We'll, we'll see, because I think uh, if they do allow them to have that privacy, it's, it's going to be a big issue because a lot of people are going to get locked out on stuff, you know. Wow. And, I mean, there are things that you may want private, but there's a lot of stuff you may not. You might want people to have access to that. Is that, so. is that the first bill of its kind in any state legislature? Ever. Wow. Ever. Wow. So, and being that it's California, clearly we have the tech companies here, and it's such a big state. Everybody's watching this, so this is a big moment. Yeah. Wow. So this is just one of the many changes going around on right now around end of life. Is as we march forward, there's going to be more and more things that are going to come up um, that we have to kind of you know find our way through. It seems to me too. There's going to be a, there's a fuzzing of lines that there was more demarcation about you know this stuff now. And I think it's going to back, how do you want to die? Not how only do you want to dispose of your remains. How do you want to live the last many years? You know, senior housing is becoming huge too. But this, I I just think that there's going to be people emerging to help guide folks through that process that aren't quite there. Are you familiar with the villages? I don't know if you know about that right now. There's quite a few um they're they're called villages basically there's one in san francisco one in oakland and there are other parts of the country and it's just a network of volunteers mostly you know the elderly or college students who um, offer their time to people who want to be independent living um so they're still in their homes and they will go get food for them or help them you know shop or get medications or whatever that needs to happen because you know going forward more and more people are going to want to die at home and they already know that it's already like that number is growing and so as people want to stay home and die um, there needs you know that's one system these villages that are um, of volunteers that are cropping up to to help people and I think you're going to see more options in that range going forward I just had that conversation with my parents, you know, that they looked into assisted living facilities and independent living and uh, realized, you know, I said, just die at home. You know, there's very few. But, but yeah, but it, it becomes more and more difficult. I mean, you're right. Like it's, it becomes more difficult to sort of stay ambulatory and, and, and have your psychosocial needs. But I mean, they've discovered, for example, I, I was reading that, um, you know, it's really healthy for seniors to volunteer, and it, it really it provides a number of therapeutic benefits. But um, you know, they're, they're, they need different things. I agree with you. I think that um, it's a far better outcome for a lot of people to to be able to stay there. But you know, that's- well, they're in a community right now, so it's a retirement community. So. You know, technically, they're in independent livings, and it, they have, you know, neighbors and support, you know, systems and things to do and all of that. Um, so they're not literally alone in a house in a neighborhood. So it's not one of those situations. But I think you're going to see more of that. And I think it depends on the person, you know, and what they want. I know that the, there's situations where they're starting to build complexes with homes that they're not really condominiums, but, uh, you know, maybe townhouse, more or less. Mm-hmm. But they're... They're in communities together, and some of them are mixing age groups um, so that the as people, you know, they're they're in a situation where as they are, you know, able to die at home, that they're not just with just around people who are up in age, the elderly. You know, I mean, everybody's different in terms of what they want. Well, we should continue this conversation another time, yeah. um, and and maybe we can pick up part two and three. Um, yeah, but, I would love but to. Again. 
congratulations for all you're doing over there and keep up the great work and people can find out more information at www.sevenpawns.com dot com yeah yeah with an s seven pawns yeah all right with an s so great to chat with you joe always fun to to talk to you and thanks so much thank you suzette